This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, Bruchem Aboim. Mitch asked me to just let everybody know that since he's not around, he just wanted me to announce that from now on, you guys are moving into the trailers, and we're going to be going into the, the Beis HaKnesset. He, he asked me to relay that to, to you in his absence. But, uh, welcome everyone. Bruchem Aboim. Tonight's learning... And okay, every Mosai Shabbat, we say in Havdalah, we say a Pasuk from Megillah Sester, La Yehudim, Haisa, Aira v'simcha v'sasa in vikar. It's very interesting. As part of the ritual of uh, of Havdalah, we recite a pasuk in the Megillah. You know, of all the psukim of Yeshua that we could possibly recite, why do we specifically mention a pasuk from Megillah Sester? I mean, there are a lot of happy psukim in Tanakh. Why do we every Saturday night we start off the week? La Yehudim Haisa Aira v'simcha v'sasa mikar. Not only that, everybody repeats it. Not only that, everybody says also, Kain tihi alanu. Meaning of all the psukim that we could possibly say, the one pasuk that everyone says in unison, the one pasuk that we all pray that it should occur again is, La Yehudim Haisa Oira V'simcha V'sasa Mikar. By the way, that's not the only commemoration of Purim that we make in Havdalah. There's an interesting concept of the Bet Yosef. Bet Yosef writes that when you smell the Besamim, Matzai Shabbat, it's not enough to have Besamim, but you have to put in the Besamim Hadasa. Hadas. What's a Hadas? A myrtle. Yeah, you know, it's uh, actually, for Ashkenazim, it's, it's optional. It's, it's considered proper, but it's not mandatory. For Svaradim, it's mandatory. That as part of ha- uh, Havdalah, you need to smell Hadasim. Why? Because it says in the Navi Yeshaya, Tachas hana'atsutz ya'aleh barosh, v'tachas hasirpad ya'aleh hadas. And in the context of hadas, it says, Shomer Shabbat mechalelo. So from there we learn that upon the conclusion of Shabbat, you need to smell hadasa. So it's very interesting because actually that's the very pasuk that the Gemara Megillah learns out is a reference to the miracle of Purim. The Gemara Darshans, the Masechta Megillah, Tachas Hana'atsutz, Tachas Haman Harasha, Ya'ale Barosh, arose the Cypress, Mordechai, Barosh, Tachas Hasirpad, the Sirpad is a reference to Vashti, Ya'ale Hadas is a reference to Esther. So it's interesting that Matzoi Shabbat, here it is, Shabbos is over, you could be in the middle of the winter, you could be in the middle of the summer. You could be in the middle of it's Tubishva time, Lag Boimer time. It doesn't matter. It's Saturday night. You're going to think about Migilat Esther. La Yehudim, Haisa Vesimcha Mikar. You're going to smell Besamim. What's in the Besamim? Hadasa. You're going to think about Esther. In fact, Khatam Sofer writes that we know are you allowed to use one candle for Havdalah? No, you have to use avuka, a torch. It has to have a minimum of two wicks. Who do the two wicks of Havdalah represent? 
Mordechai and Esther, who are the two lights in the bitter Galus, Galus Paras is called darkness. The Hashem Yair Cheshki refers to Mordechai and Esther. So the two wicks of Havdalah are Mordechai and Esther. Isn't that interesting? So here it is. It's a random Saturday night. You want to go bowling? No, before you go bowling, you got to think about Purim. So you say, You think about Esther, you smell Hadas, you think about Mordechai and Esther, you have the two wicks. Why do we drum up? Why do we have to talk about? Why do we invoke Purim, specifically Matzai Shabbat? Okay. Now, the Gemara tells us, so think about it. When the month of Adar begins, you have to increase your joy. Now, an interesting thing, when does the month of Adar begin? Some say it begins Shabbat Mevarchim Adar. So according to that, you already had to start, sorry to break the bad news to you, I know a lot of people prefer to be grouchy and to walk around all bitter. You know, some people, they, they get a kick out of being sad. But according to many opinions, according to Ben Ishchai, Mishanichnas Adar Marvin Besumcha begins Shabbos Mevarchim Chodesh Adar. Some say it begins Rosh Chodesh Adar. Reb Chaim Kenievsky says it begins the second day of Rosh Chodesh Adar. So according to all opinions, tonight already, you gotta be, you gotta start being happy. You gotta wipe away your frown. You gotta forget about your worries. You have to, you have to be happy according to all opinions. But here's the thing. Who said you have to be happy? Amar Rav Yehuda, Rav Yehuda. Bray, the son of Rav Shmuel Bar Shilas. What kind of name is Shilas? You're, are you kidding me? His parents really named him Shilas? What kind of name is Shilas? At the Brit Milah, the rabbi says, well, what's the kid's name? Shilas. I mean, the guy needs to be, uh, I don't know, he needs therapy. What kind of, why would he give the name Shilas? What kind of name is Shilas? That's the name of, a, of an Amora? Shilas? What kind of name is that? And why was he the one to teach the world? Nobody else knew that? What was it about Shilas that he taught the world? Another interesting question. Anybody know the opening comment of the Ramah in Shulchan Aruch? The first comment of the Ramah in Shulchan Aruch. So the Mechaber begins, Yiskaber Ka'ari, Lakum Baboke Sabore. You should get up like a lion for the service of Hashem. Now the Ramah kicks in. Anybody know what word does the Ramah always use to make a comment? Whenever the Ramah talks, he says, Haga, Haga, Hey Gimel Hey, footnote, footnote. The Ramah says, Shivisi Hashem Lenegdi Tamid. And then, by the way, the Ramah also writes again, Haga. It's the only time in the whole Shulchan Aruch where the Ramah continues to talk, and within one comment, he says, Haga, Haga. And there's a very secret reason for that. Because we know that when people write Sfarim, they like to allude to the name of Hashem in the beginning of the Sefer. They like to, like Mesilat Yisharim. Mesilat Yisharim begins, Yisod HaChasidos V'Shoyresh HaAvoida. The Mechabrim, the authors of books, they like to allude to the name of God in the beginning of the Sefer. 
So the Ramah also wanted to allude to Hashem's name in the beginning of the Sefer. So he says, Haga, Haga is Gematria 13. Then he says, Haga again, 13, which is Yudkei Vavkei 26. That's the Ramah's way of getting Hashem's name in the beginning of the Sefer. So the Ramah's opening comment to Shulchan Aruch, Shiviti Hashem Lenegdi Tamed. What is the Ramah's last comment in Shulchan Aruch Arachayim? The Ramah says, V'lev tov, mishteh tamed. Someone who has a good heart is always at a party. Because the Ramah is talking about, should you celebrate Purim Katan? Should you not celebrate Purim Katan? Should you make a Sudan Purim Katan? Should you not make a Sudan Purim Katan? The Ramah says, make a little bit of a bigger suda. And anyway, v'lev tov, mishteh tamed. Comes the Chida, Gaon Uzein, Rav Chaim Yosef, David Azulai. And the Chida comments in the Birke Yosef, that means the Ramah begins Shulchan Aruch, and then Shulchan Aruch with the same word, Tamid. He begins Shulchan Aruch, Shivisi Hashem Lenegdi Tamid, and he ends Shulchan Aruch. The Lev Tov Mishte Tamid. If you have a good heart, you're always happy. Says the Chida, there are two Timidim, there are two Tamids. One Tamid is, place God before you always. The other Tamid is, someone who has a good heart is always at a party. Lev tov mishteh tamid, shivisi Hashem lenegdi tamid. This is tamid shal shachar, v'tamid shal ben ho'arbayim. That if you fulfill, you place God before you tamid, then you will reach the level of lev tov mishteh tamid. So in other words, if you want to be happy in life, always have HaKadosh Baruch Hu in mind. Fulfill shivisi Hashem lenegdi tamid, you will reach the level of lev tov mishteh tamid. One more question. And then we're going to revolutionize your understanding of Megillah Esther. You're going to walk away. You're going to say, you know what? I never knew the story before. Whatever I knew, I didn't know anything. Okay? The Gemara Masechta Megillah, Darshan Zaposigan in Yeshaya, that says as follows. Tachas hana'at sotziala barosh. In the place of Haman, Mordechai stood up. Tachas hasirpad yale hadas. Instead of Vashti, Esther stood up. And God made a name for Himself. You got it? The Pesach says, God made a name for Himself. Ask the Gemara, how did God make a name for Himself? Says the Gemara, Through Megillah Esther, God made a name for Himself. Are you kidding me? If I were to ask, with which book did God make a name for Himself? I, the last book that I would ever choose that God made a name for Himself would be Megillah Esther because it's the one book that God's name does not appear. I would have picked, if, in other words, if you would have stopped me on a corner and say, with which book in the Tanakh does God make a name for Himself? I would go, what's your first guess? Uh, Bereshit. No, not Bereshit. Which is Shemot, Vayikra, Bamidbar, Devar, Yeshua, Shoftim, Rus, Eicha, Shir Hashirim, Kohelet. Esther would have been my last pick. No, says the Gemara. How did God make a name for Himself? Migilat Esther. What's going on? How does God make a name for Himself in the one book? His name isn't there. I'll tell you a little, Remez. <clears throat> Anybody remember the opening uh, Mishnah, Mesech to Megillah? Megillah, Nikreit, B'yod Aleph, B'yod Bez, B'yod Gimel, B'yod Dalet, B'tesvav, Lo Pachot, V'lo Yoter. Says the Vilna Gain, and we're going to learn this, Vilna Gain, to protect Achena B'nei Yisrael in the Ukraine and in Russia. Because this version of the, of the Gra is only found in the Moscow edition of the manuscript of the Gra. The Gra writes, Aremez al-Pi Kabbalah. 
add up your Aleph, your Beis, your Gimel, your Dalet, Tesvav, is 65. Right? 11 plus 12 plus 13 plus 14 plus 15. Any accountants? In Ashkenazim, everyone's an accountant, but it's okay. <coughs> Sorry. Got to know your order, right? But I know you know a good accountant, right? So, so you add up 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 65. Lo pachot, not less than 11, which is 10. Velo yoter, not more than 16, which is... Not more than 15, which is 16. Meaning, what's 10 plus 16? 26. Megillah Nikrate. The Megillah is red. 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, which is 65. That's Aleph, Dalet, Nun, Yud is 65. You could read the Megillah with the name Aleph, Dalet, Nun, Yud. Adnos. But don't you dare read the Megillah, Pachot Vioter. Less than 11, more than 15. 10 and 16 is 26. Don't say the Yud Kevavke because God's name is not in the Megillah. So the opening words of, of Meseches Megillah is Meramez, that God's name is not in the Megillah. Megillah Nikrate, Biyod Aleph, Biyod Beis, Biyod Gimel, Biyod Dalet, Biyod Tesvav, meaning add up, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, that's Aled, Dalet, Aled, Aleph, Dalet, Nun Yud. Lo Pachot, Velo Yoter, not 10 and 16, 26. So you say, but God's name, Aleph, Dalet, Nun Yud, is not in the Megillah either. The answer is it is, because Hamelech, Melech is a reference also to God, and it's referring to Hashem's name of Adnus. Adnus, if God is the Adon, then we are the Avadim, and if we are the Avadim, God is the Melech. Okay. But back to the ranch, how could you say that God made a name for Himself with the one book that His name does not appear? So we're going to begin our journey tonight in the end of Megillat Esther, the third to last pasuk of the Megillah, the opening pasuk of the final chapter, it goes like this. Vayosem ha-melech achashverosh mas. Achashverosh made taxes. Vayosem ha-melech achashverosh mas. Al ha-oretz. Vayosem ha-melech taxed the people. That's the end of Megillah. Does that make sense that the Megillah ends that Ahasuerus taxes the people alive. Oh, you know what the grand finale of the story is? You know what the climax, the pinnacle, the, the summit of the Purim miracle? Ahasuerus taxes the people. Who cares? First of all, why is it even recorded in the Megillah? Why is that the grand finale? Why is that the ending? And we know the very next Pasuk says, You don't know this tune, but I'm going to sing anyway. Which means that if you want to know the palace intrigue and all the historical context of the Purim miracle, got the wrong book. You got to go to Persian media, go to the big libraries, take out the big documents, and read about the history. Seriously, the Megillah is telling me I should go to a library and find out the rest of the story? What's the Megillah telling me? Says Rabbi Cheska Abramsky, the Megillah is articulating the function of Megillat Esther. Namely, don't think that anything written in the Megillah was recorded so that you have a better appreciation for the history, or the background, or the politics, or the palace intrigue. Everything that's written in Megillat Esther was written for one reason and one reason only, Persume Nisa, to recognize Hashem's control 
over history and the miraculous salvation. Which begs the question, so why in the world does the Megillah end that Achashverosh taxes the people? This is irrelevant information, and yet this is the grand finale of Megillah Tester. So here goes. I'm going to share with you three words of Gemara, that if you understand these three words, this is the key to unlocking the Purim story. The Pasuk says, The king said, who's in the courtyard? Haman was coming. Haman was coming to the outer courtyard of the king. To tell the king, To hang Mordechai. It's on the tree. Asher that he prepared for him. Literally, that Haman prepared for Mordechai. But the Gemara asks, why does the Pesach have to say, Asher Heichin Loi? Just say, Asher Heichin. The tree that he prepared. Obviously, he prepared it for Mordechai. The word Loi is extra. It should just say, Al Ho'etz Asher Heichin. Says the Gemara, Tana Loi Heichin. Meaning, Heichin Loi, he prepared for him. Tana, it means Loi Heichin. He prepared it for himself. He thought he's building this ridiculously tall gallows to hang Mordechai. He thought he's going to make this eyesore of a gallows. Because he thought, you know, he knew that Achashverosh was the most fickle, wishy-washy guy in the world. One day he's a Republican, the next day he's a Democrat, one day he's an atheist, the next day he's a communist, the next day he's a... You know, you know the joke about the guy, he went to Warsaw and he came back, he said... You know, you know what I saw in Warsaw? I saw a tzaddik, I saw a tamar chacham, I saw a rosh Hashiva, I saw an atheist, I saw a communist, I saw a socialist, I saw a capitalist, I saw a Bundist. So they said, really? What's the big deal? In, in Minsk, we have all of that. So they said, no, in Warsaw, it was all the same guy. All... <laughs> so, Akhazerj, he couldn't make up his mind. See, he's always changing his mind. So Haman realized, that what he has to do is he has to make this eyesore of a gallows. He'll get Achazurish angry. The gallows will be staring him in the face. And when he gets, uh, when Achazurish gets angry, he'll just say, hang, uh, hang Mordechai on it. But that whole plan backfired on him. Because when Haman took a misstep with Esther, and, and Achazurish comes back into the palace, and Haman's on top of Esther, and Achazurish, well, what's going on? So Haman, uh, he couldn't talk himself out of it. He should have just said, I don't know, hey, I slipped, I tripped. Uh. He should have come up with a nice story. But Achzeres, in a fit of rage, he saw the gallows. Chavroina says, Tolu alav. So he just hung it. The next day he would have calmed down. Haman would have talked himself out of it. So his whole plan backfired against him. And as we're going to see, this is the main principle of Hashkocha and the Megillah. This is a principle that we will recognize throughout history. And it really is articulated, we know we say on Purim, Bimei Mordechai ve'ester b'shushan habira in the Hanisim, right? And we're going to say the following expression. Ve'ata b'rachamecha harabim, hefarta es atzato, ve'kilkalta es machshavtai. Two things. We say, God Almighty, you didn't just foil Haman's plan. You weren't just mefir his eitzah. You didn't just foil, abolish his plan. You were kilkalta es machshavto. You corrupted his thoughts. Which means as follows. God says, you, I don't need your man in the White House. I don't need your man as Prime Minister of Israel to bring salvation to Jews. Well, you think 
only Trump, only Netanyahu could save the Jewish people, and I can't use anybody that I want to help me bring about it. Give me more credit than needing your guy in the White House or your guy in Israel to help the Jewish people. You give me the biggest Russia, the biggest anti-Semite. You give me the biggest Sony Israel. You have him construe plans to destroy the Jewish people, and I will use him and his plans against him to save the Jewish people. And I'm going to give you a few examples of this. You ever hear there was this uh, man, this little, actually a baby. He was so cute, adorable kid. He was floating in a little basket in the Nile. What was his name again? Oh, yeah, yeah, Moshe. Yeah, so Moshe's floating in the Nile. And how did he end up in the Nile? Because uh, the Pharaoh made a decree. He, the Pharaoh got a news briefing that the Jewish Savior is going to be born. So he was told he has to drown the Jewish Savior. Fine. So Paro is planning. He's, he's sitting there with all of his council and his whole assemblage. And they're thinking, how are we going to annihilate the Savior of the Jewish people? That Moses that we see astrologically is going to be born. How do we destroy him? And God is sitting up in heaven. God is watching. He's laughing at Pharaoh. He's saying, Pharaoh, you think you're going to destroy the Savior of the Jewish people? Watch this. Your very plan to annihilate this kid, you know what it's going to accomplish? Your daughter is going to be bathing in the Nile. She's going to see this adorable kid. She's going to bring the kid inside the palace. She's going to be rocking the kid to sleep. And then 2 a.m., Paro's like, hey, Basio, what's the racket in your room? What happened? Well, what, are you, what are you doing? What are you watching? He said, no, I just adopted a new kid. Where'd you get him from? Uh, I'll tell you in the morning. But right now, he's keeping me up. And I can't stay up, I have a final tomorrow. Pharaoh, you want, uh, Dad, you want uh, your mind rocking him to sleep tonight? So that night, that Pharaoh made the decree to annihilate the Savior of the Jewish people. He's rocking baby Moshe to sleep. And then at 3 a.m., the kid has nothing to eat. So Basi says, go to CVS, get him some formula. So Pharaoh puts on his pajamas, he puts on his robe, he goes out to CVS, he gets the kid formula, he gets the kid a pacifier, and the kid's growing up, he sends him to the Gan. The, who do you think pays the tuition? You know, she comes to Pharaoh, she says, I don't have money on the credit card, Dad, would you mind taking care of it? He, he foots the bill, he pays for his education, he sends him for the year in Israel to study, he sends him, he gets him a college degree. And not only that, you know, the Ezra writes, that why did Hashkacha have it that the Savior of the Jewish people should be, grow up in Pharaoh's palace? Says Ibn Ezra, because if he would have grown up with the Jewish people, Jewish people had a slave mentality. They had low morale. He would have been like, you know, uh, like a beggar. And he never would have had the persona of leadership to lead the Jewish people. He needed to grow up by Pharaoh to learn royalty and leadership. And he would come home at night and his tie wasn't straight. And Pharaoh said, straighten out your tie. You're going to be a leader one day, kid. Who made Moshe Rabbeinu? Pharaoh. Without Pharaoh, there never would have been a Moshe. So we think, Pharaoh thinks he's going to make a decree to bring about the annihilation of the Savior of Jewish people. Pharaoh groomed him. He made him. Pharaoh kibel Torah misinai. You never, you never, you don't know that Mishnah? Moshe kibel Torah, but because of Pharaoh. So Pharaoh thinks he's going to destroy Moshe. Pharaoh makes Moshe Rabbeinu. Now I'm going to show you a few examples from Megillat Esther of this precise principle. 
Let's begin with a very interesting pasuk. Take a look, please. By the way, another example is there's a, a, the Navi Ovadia. I was just in Israel. Actually, uh, unfortunately, when I was on the plane going to Israel, a few rows in front of me, Mitch was going for the, for the funeral of his mother. So I was on the, I was on the plane with uh, Mitch. I was, that must have been exactly 30 days ago. So when I was in Israel, I went to the kever of Ovadia Hanavi. Ovadia, how many parakim of Nevoah did Ovadia say? One parak. What did Ovadia prophesy about? The downfall of Edom. The Gemara wants to know, why does Ovadia prophesy about the downfall of Edom? Says the Gemara, Ovadia was a descendant of Edom. Ovadia came from Edomite Gerim. Says the Gemara, which means from the forest itself comes the handle for the axe. Which means the way that God operates is if He wants to chop down a forest, He makes that the handle of the axe that's going to chop down the forest comes from the, the forest itself. So if God wants to bring about a prophecy of the downfall of Edom, who's going to say the prophecy? An Edomite. That's how God operates. God says, you give me the man who you least expect will help the Jew. You put him in the White House, you put him in Prime Minister, you make him a world leader, let him plan to annihilate, and I will use his plans to save the Jewish people. I'm going to give you a few examples from Megillat Esther. going to blow your mind. So take a look at number 23. This is the plan of Haman to destroy the Jewish people. What day? The 13th of Adar. That was what Haman's decree stated. And the next Pasuk says... Pashegen Hakisov, the text of the document, Lehinasin Das, to give law, Bechal Medina O Medina, in every community, Galoi Lechal Amim, revealed to all the nations, was Lehiyoi Sasidim Layamazah, be ready for that day. Very, very unusual. Did you ever pay attention to these psukim? There are two different psukim about Haman's decree. The first Pasuk says, Haman decreed to annihilate Jewish people on the 13th of Adar. But what did the text say that everybody read, you know, the, the posters that were plastered on the wall? What did the Pashkevilin say? It just said, everyone, hey guys, everyone be ready for the 13th of Adar. And what's going to happen? It didn't say. So what happened? Haman wrote two different letters. On one letter it said that Haman is going to annihilate the Jews. And on another letter it just said, be ready. The Vilna Gaon explains as follows. Haman's a smart guy. He knew that if he sends out public word that Amalek will destroy the Jewish people on the 13th of Adar, if the Jewish people find out about it, we Jews will do what we Jews do best. We will go to local officials, we will pull out our wallets, we will put down green rectangles, and we will pay our way out of the decree. We'll bribe the officials. Therefore, Haman said, there's no way I could let it be known that what I plan to do on the 13th day of Adar... So therefore, he told the governors and the officials what's going to happen, but to everybody else, just be ready for that day. Because he thought if he would make it known what's going to happen, 
we're going to wiggle out of it. The tables turn, and Achishosh is fuming at Haman. He realizes his queen is Jewish. He says to his queen, dear, whatever you want. So she says, abolish the decrees. Achishosh I can't do it. I can't, I can't retract. I already signed it. Any decree signed by the king is irrevocable. Esther said, yeah, but that fool Haman, look at the decree. It didn't say what would happen on the 13th of Adar. It just said, be ready on the 13th of Adar. So I have a great idea. Let's reinterpret it. Instead of we getting killed, we'll kill our enemies. So Esther said, you got it. You're right, doesn't say anything. So the whole plan of Haman backfired on him. His whole plan of not writing in the document what's supposed to take place, and don't think Adar came back to haunt him. Now this is out of this world. Yes. Mida Kenegad Mida. Right. So he did everything with very, very cunning, hidden things. And Hashem himself was hidden. Very good. Right. That's why it's Hashem Vanoichi Haster Aster Panebayamahu, even within concealment. Speaking about concealment, we just came out with a new Sefer on Purim. It's called the concealed and the revealed. And this gentleman will get a very good royalty for helping me make that commercial with the concealment. Thank you very much. But um, we'll, we'll arrange the details after the share. Okay, so Achishosh has a problem with his wife. Now, that's not a chidush, you know. Okay, a big deal. He has his, wife, his wife's not listening to her. Okay, you know, it happens occasionally, right? So... He doesn't know what to do, so who does he call? Chachamim Yodei Ho'itim. The sages who know the times. Why does he need sages who know the times? Because technically, if you're a king of the world, and your wife doesn't listen to you, let's say Lamasha, let's say Putin's wife wouldn't listen to him. He would shoot her with like a ballistic missile that would, she would eviscerate and, and evaporate yesterday already, you know? So if you're a world, a world leader and your wife doesn't listen to you, you know, Henry VIII but had many, many wives, right? It was like, you know, it's like dafyomi cycles, right? So if you're the king of the world, and your wife's not listening to you, so what's the big she'ela? The answer is, but he needed her. And he, he wasn't of royal blood, and she was. So he needed to call special people who knew how to make hora'at sha'ah. They knew how to find the wiggle room. So the question is, why does he have to ask anybody advice? I mean, you're the most powerful person in the world. Do whatever you want. Why is he like convening an assembly? This is not the United States of America that nobody could do anything without like 500 people in the room. You're the king of the world. Do whatever you want. Why is he gathering people together to ask their advice? So the Vilna Gain explains that the Pasuk itself addresses this. It says, Ki chein devar ha-melech kol das vadin. What does it mean, ki chein devar ha-melech? Ki chein devar ha-melech means the law in Persia was any time a case, a situation was relevant to the king himself, 
the king could not make his own unilateral decision. He needed to ask the advice of advisors. This was the law in Persia. Kichain devar hamelach lefnei kol das vaden. Let's see if we could find that. Take a look in uh, number 40. Im alamelech toy. Here, look, take a look in, excuse me, number 37. means, this is the law that whenever something is relevant to the king, the king cannot make his own unilateral decision. So, okay, now we understand why, why Achashosh had to ask, Fast forward to the end of the Purim story. And... Esther reveals that she's a Jew. And Achzer says, Miu zevi And uh, uh, Esther says, Him! Him! Haman haraza! It's Haman! And Achzer is fuming. So Achzer goes out to the garden and he's trying to calm down. He walks back in the room. And Achzer says, What should I do with him? Vayoymer charvoyna Echad min asorisim Lefnei hamelech Gam hinei ho'etz Charvoyna says, There's this nice gallows. That's ruining the scenery of the whole Persia. You might as well use it. So what does the king say? Tuluhu alav. I understand. I thought whenever something is relevant to the king, the king has to ask his advisors. So why here at the end of the story does Achzir just make a unilateral decision? Ah, hang him. What happened to the Chachamim? Why Why doesn't he convene the Persian assembly and ask, what should I do with Haman? The answer is, that used to be the rule in Persia. That used to be the rule that whenever a case affected the king, the king had to ask advice. However, there was a man by the name of Mimuchan. And Mimuchan told Achashverosh, Imal HaMelech Toiv Yetzei Dvar Malchus Milafanov. What's Mimuchan telling the king? Mimuchan's telling the king, You stupid king, you're going to follow the rule in Persia that... You're going to follow the rule in Persia that uh, something that's relevant only to the Melech, you're not going to paskin on your own? The rule in Persia used to be, The rule used to be that any time an issue affected the king himself, the king had to ask the advice of the Chachamim. But comes Mimuchan, and Mimuchan says, That's ridiculous. You're going to follow that rule? Yeitzay dvar malchus milafanov. From now on, you make your own decisions. So Achashver said, Mamuchan, that's a great idea. From now on, I don't ask anybody advice. I'm going to make decisions on my own. Now, why did Mamuchan say that? Mamuchan was advancing his own cause. He wanted to knock off Vashti. His wife and Vashti, they didn't get along. Vashti never invited her to her tea parties. So Haman and, and Vashti, they, they couldn't get along. So Haman thought he was advancing his own cause by saying, Yitzay Dvar Malchus Melafanov. But little did he know, Asher Heichen Loi, Loi Heichen. He's setting his own demise. He's going to set up the situation that when Achzerz gets angry at him, and really Achzerz should go and ask the Chachomim, No. Thank you, Memuchan, for legislating that from now on, Achashverosh doesn't ask anybody advice. Achashverosh takes care of the matters on his own. So it comes out. Who killed Haman? Memuchan, Haman. Asher heichen loy, tana loy heichen. Every plan of Haman, 
Every thought was not just hefarta es atzato, it's kilkalta es machshavto. God says, you give me the Russia, you give me his plan, I will hijack, co-opt his plan, and use it to bring salvation to the Jewish people. Now watch this, this is a gift from Shemayim. So the story is over. And the Jewish people are safe. And we're saved. And we go on the offense and we kill our enemies. And how does the Megillah end? Achashosh taxes the people. And we asked, what in the world is that doing at the end of the Megillah Tastar? Go to Sefer Ezra. And in Sefer Ezra, in Perak Vav, we read about the return of the Jewish people after the 70 years of Galus. And they come back to Eretz Yisrael. They have no money. And they want to rebuild the second temple. And who's the king of Persia at the time? Daryavesh, the son of Esther and Achashverosh. And they turn to the king, and the king says, go build your temple. They said, king, we have no money. The king said, what do you want from me? Have a Chinese auction, have a raffle, you know, sell bricks, maybe have a Achnos Sefer Torah campaign, whatever you got to do. Dinner. Dinner, you know. Sell aliyot, psicha, lamnatseach, on Rosh Hashanah, whatever you got to do. They're the people say, we have no money. So Daryavash says, you know what? Daryavash opens up the storehouse and he unloads all the tax money. And he funds the building of the second base on Mikdash. And I ask you, where did Darius get so much tax money from? The answer is, The taxes he inherited from his father so think about how the Purim story comes full circle. The story begins, Achashverosh is having a suda, and what's he celebrating? That the 70 years are over, and the Beis HaMikdash is not rebuilt, and if the temple is not rebuilt, it will never be rebuilt. And by the end of the story, Achashverosh has become the chief fundraiser for the second Beit HaMikdash. So really, there should be a plaque in the second Beit HaMikdash. This was donated by Achashverosh. And by the way, according to some Mepharshim, the 10,000 talents of silver that Achashverosh was offered by Haman, he took it. And he gave a thousand talents to his son Daryavesh. And what do you think Darius did with that money? He built the second base of Mikdash. So you know who the second biggest donor of the second temple was? Haman. So think about the Hashgach of the story. Achashverosh makes a big party. So what's he celebrating? That 70 years are over and the temple will never be rebuilt. And the Rebbe Shem is looking down in Hashemayim. And the Rebbe Shem says, you think you're celebrating the temple will never be rebuilt? This very party that you think is celebrating that the temple will never be rebuilt, you're going to get angry at Vashti, you're going to get a new queen, Esther, you're going to have a kid, Darius, and he's going to build the second temple. So this party that you think is celebrating Chorban, this party is a celebration of the future building of the second Beit HaMikdash. So people get very nervous. Oh, my candidate's not in the White House. My candidate's not in Israel. You think God needs your guy to bring salvation to the Jewish people? You're afraid of some, some world leader somewhere? God loves those kinds of people. They're always the best puppets because the Nachlas David is a student of Reb Chaim Velazhner. He writes, in the Galut, we have no open miracles. God is not splitting the Red Sea for us. 
No man is coming down in Hashem So how do you know it's, the Rebbe Shalom is there? The most open demonstration of Hashgacha Pratit is when HaKadosh Baruch Hu takes the Rasha and he takes his plans and his machinations and his schemes and the Rebbe Shalom says, you give me the plan and I will use it to bring salvation to the Jewish people. We said, with which book does God make a name for Himself? Megillat Esther. I'm sorry, a few moments, okay? We said uh, Hashem's name is not in the Megillah. I would humbly suggest that Hashem's name is in Megillah more than any book in the whole Tanakh. Where? The Shlach Kadosh writes, there is one name that if you look at this name, you will see Niflaot. The name of it, then this name is Yehuda. Because Yehuda is Yud, K, Vav, K, plus the Dalet. We know that so long as Amalek is in the world, Hashem's Kisei is toppling. It's Kiyad Al-Kesqa. The Dalet is the fourth leg of the Kisei HaKavod. Keneged David HaMelech. That's why when Yehuda was born, it says, Vata Amod Miledes. Lashon of Amida. God's throne had stability. Yehuda are the four letters of God's name and the fourth regel of the Kisei HaKavod. You know, in Kala Torah Kula, Kala Yisrael is called Shem Hava, uh, Yud Kevavke. Kala Yisrael is called Bnei Yisrael, Bnei Yaakov, Am Yisrael. And in Megillat Esther, we're given a new name. You know what the new name is? Yehudim. Yehudim. More than 40 times Kala Yisrael is called. We're not called Yisrael in the Megillah. We're not called Yaakov in the Megillah. We're only called Yehudim, Yehudim, Yehudim. What's Yehudim? The Shem Havaya. The Shem Havaya. We're Mekayim, the mitzvah of Shivisi Hashem Lenegdi Tamid. You know, some people, they see God's name in front of them. They see, like Mishnah Barah says in, in the Simen Aleph, that wherever you walk down the street, you should see, Yud, you should envision Yud Kevavke in front of you. But you know what a higher level is? The higher level is, not the Yud Kevavke is in front of you, but it's part of you. It's part of your personality. To be a Yehudi is that Kishem Hashem Nikra Alecha, that Hashem's name is part of you. It's the, the ultimate fulfillment of Shiviti Hashem Lenegdi Tamid the Mikubalim right. Omar Rav Yehuda Berei de Rav Shmuel Bar Shilat Shilat Rashi Tevot Shivisi Hashem Lenegdi Tamid. That's the name. Why? Rabbi Yehuda, his name was the Yud Kevavke. Who was his father? Shilat. Shilat was on such a high level of envisioning the Yud Kevavke that he named his son Yehuda. What else? What other name could he possibly give? He recognized that through the story of Purim, Hashem is always with us, no matter what, no matter what situation, no matter how bleak things are. God says, you give me the biggest rasha. You give me the biggest threat of annihilation, and I will use that plan to build the second Mesa Mikdash, to save the Jewish people. Klal Yisrael were elevated to a new level, where it was not just Shivisi Hashem Lenegdi Tamid, where God was before them, they became Yehudim. Hashem's name became part of them. And as we said from the Chida, if somebody reaches Madrega of Shiviti Hashem Lenegdi Tamid, they will be elevated to the madrega of v'toiv lev mishteh tamid. The greatest simcha in life is when we realize that Hashem is in front of us, Hashem is part of us, Hashem is with every step that we make.
don't be afraid, don't be nervous. People get very anxious. This leader, that guy, these are all puppets. They are an uh, interesting thing. Hamon minatoyro minayin. You know, the Gemara asks. Esther minatoyro minayin. Achashverish minatoyro minayin. Does the Gemara ask that question? We say, Mordechai minatoyro minayin, Mordorar. Esther minatoyro minayin, Vanoichi hastar astar. Haman minatoyro. What about Achashverish? Why doesn't the Gemara ask, where is there a remez to Achashverish? You know why? There's no Achashverish! He's a world leader! World leaders are puppets. They don't exist. Lev melachim b'yad Hashem. We don't need to know. There is no, there's no entity Achashverosh. There's no Putin. People are afraid of Putin. There's no Zet lo davar. It's not an entity. It doesn't exist. There's a Haman. There's an Esther. There's a Mordechai. There's Tzadikim. There's Shem. There are no world leaders. World leaders are where we move them, where we push them, where we guide them. Whatever we see, it's we're bringing it. And we have the Koach Levatel, and just like in the times of Purim, HaKadosh Baruch Hu was Mavatel, not only Hefarta es Atzato, but he was Kelkalta es Machshavto. So, we say again, and we say it every Matzoi Shabbat, La Yehudim, Hoysa, Oira, Vesimcha, Vesasa, and Vikar. One last thing. You know, Gemara says in Sech Megillah, that Mordechai came to Jewish people, he said, okay, God saved you, let's celebrate, let's have Yom Tov, Yom Tov. Mishte Simcha Yom Tov. And a few psukim later it says, Matanasa Avyanim, Mishta Vilu Yamtav Laika Amar. The Gemara says, Wait, what happened? It says the Gemara the Mordechai offered a Yamtov and we said, Thanks, but no thanks. We refused the Yamtov. So Mordechai was there, what I'm supposed to do. So give Mishlach Manos, give Matanas Avyanim, drink a lot, and no Yamtov. If somebody offered you Yamtov, would you say no? We'll go for it. Every Yamtov, let's bring them on, right? Rav Hudner says, in the name of Mikubalim, that the reason why Klal Yisrael did not accept Purim as a Yom Tov is because if Purim was accepted as a Yom Tov, then when Purim was over, what would we have to do? Havdalah! And a Jew can never separate from Purim. We're so connected to Purim. We love it so much. It gives us so much energy. It gives us so much emunah. It fuels us with knowledge of Hashem that we can never be mavdil from Purim. And therefore, every Saturday night, when Shabbat is over, it's very depressing. We have to take leave of the holy day, the holiest day of the week. We have to take leave of Shabbat. We have to say goodbye to Shabbat. So Chazal encouraged us. He said, even though you have to say goodbye to Shabbat, there's one day a year you don't ever say goodbye to. La Yehudim, Haisa, Aira, Tesimcha, Tesasain, Vikar, Kentielano. Purim is with us the whole year. The Lev Tov, Thank you very much. Thank you so much. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.